Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 89 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Double Density, your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, this is the first episode we are dropping in 2019 that was recorded in 2019. So I offer to you, my friend, my best wishes to you and your family. Can you wish them a happy new year on my behalf? I will wish them a happy new year and hopefully it'll be the last time for 2019. We briefly discussed this in the last episode and I'm hoping you don't continue your shenanigans of last year. I am a man of strong fortitude, so I shall see where this takes us. Uh, so we had a whole show planned sort of <laughs> uh, originally. And then uh, because it's the holidays and because we got busy, we've kind of put off recording. And then suddenly this kind of big bombshell story drops out of the clouds or uh, through a crack from below the earth, depending on how you want to see this. And now we have an entirely uh, new show to present to you based on uh, this really interesting story. Would you care to sort of summarize uh, the reason why we're here on episode 89, Angelo? So we don't normally talk about Apple's financials and things like that. It's not what the show's about. It's kind of like sort of boring, right? Like, yes, Apple made billions of dollars. Again, richest company in the world, most successful, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they made lots of money. We're, we're interested in the products they make and, and the tech industry in general. We don't really talk about money. But yesterday, much uh, Twitter angst was had over uh, <laughs> I wouldn't just say like Twitter. I would say like most of the tech sphere in general, including blogs and news sites. Yeah, it, it went kind of crazy because for the first time since uh, June of 2002, Apple has had to like go back on their expectations for revenue. They had to like, was what's the terminology they use, Brian? So basically what happens is that they project fiscally what's going to happen in the next quarter, right? So we're talking about 2019 Q1. So originally some months ago they had said they were planning on making in between 89 and $93 billion, and they've had to revise that projection. Um, mostly from what I understand due to the SEC and uh, um, some kind of like uh, legal ramifications. So they went from 89 to $93 billion, and they've brought that down to $84 billion, so a loss of in between 5 and $9 billion in revenue. That's a lot of billions, considering the last time this happened, uh, Steve Jobs came out and announced that their revenues were going to have to go down from a guidance of $1.6 billion to $1.4 to $1.45 billion. A little bit larger um, in number, but not in magnitude. Yeah, so I think uh, that was uh, about 10% back then, and now it's about 7%. Yeah, uh, that's uh, according to uh, Daring Fireballs, John Gruber, who uh, he 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 brought out the last time Steve Jobs did this, and he has a good point in that Steve Jobs' statement about this maybe it has to do with the, uh, with Jobs himself or with the fact that Apple was a significantly a smaller player back then. It was really short, whereas according to Gruber's word count, Tim Cook uh, spent fourteen hundred words for Jobs' 200 words. Right, so I think this is important to note, right, that it wasn't just an irregular Apple press release that came out after the markets had closed yesterday, but it was a letter directly signed by Tim Cook on the Apple website outlining some of the reasons why they weren't going to meet these sales projections for Q1 2019. This has to, I think, come from the CEO in these cases. This is a big formal deal. It's not something that's just uh, a PR thing. It's, it's Like you said, it's because of the SEC and all that they have to really announce this. 
Yeah. So uh, in Tim Cook's letter, which we'll link to in the show notes, there's a number of reasons why uh, he feels that the projections uh, had to be recalibrated uh, based on a number of factors based on what they were seeing sales wise. So we're going to go through uh, uh, most of them, if not all of them uh, in our allotted time slot and sort of discuss some of the things behind it, because theoretically it's very facile. I've seen a lot of people do this and say, um, you know, the rising cost of the newer iPhones means less interest, means less sales, but it's not as easy as that to sort of explain. There's a lot to unpack, um, and and this is sort of like beyond what we normally do, we, and and why we're going to f- kind of concentrate on the reasons and not the the financials of it. I mean, like whatever, uh, billions and billions. Uh, we sound like Carl Sagan here. Uh, we're they're still going to be fine. Apple's not doomed, which is pretty much uh, half of what Twitter is saying. So I'm going to just throw this out before. Like, uh, so from what I understand, Apple is still stashing away 125 to $130 billion in profits. Uh, they're not paying the taxes they should, right? Uh, firstly, so I don't feel too bad about a corporation who's skirting their financial fiduciary responsibilities um, all that much. Oh, I look... I've said this before, we like to joke around me being the Apple fan and stuff. I really don't care about the company itself. I think they make the the best products for me. But, uh, and uh, I, I wouldn't say like I'm loyal or anything, uh, but it's what I what I own. It's the stuff I buy because for me it works best. Uh, I, and I, I'm not like one to just like always stick with something. I used to be like a, a Windows guy, right? I had Windows up until 2003 and then I decided, you know what, this is not for me anymore. And I switched. Who's to say that won't happen with Apple? As it looks right now, uh, it would take a lot for me to go back to Windows and a lot for a little less for me to go to Android, though. I don't know if you know that, right? I've mentioned that to you before. Yes. It would would take way more to switch from the Mac than it would take for me to switch from iOS. This is something I think we'll talk about later uh, as we unpack some of the reasons that Tim Cook laid out as to why they had to revise their uh, profit projections. So the first one, and I think the biggest one, right, is uh, lower sales than anticipated in the greater China area, which I think is a weird statement to make because I don't really call it greater China. I just, you know, it's a country. Yeah, Yeah, China. Just very briefly, China. But the bigger thing to sort of uh, think about is this running narrative that people say about how the uh, newer iPhones have priced themselves out of the market. And that's why we're seeing uh, a downturn in profits, which I don't necessarily think is as easy as that. No, it's not just as easy as that. Prices go up with everything. There's costs associated with everything. but yes, everything Apple makes has gone up in price in some reasons because of the dollar and some of the reasons because of what they're creating now and what they're making. Uh, I mean, look, for, for me, I can't afford an iPhone this year. It's like, I'd love to get a new iPhone, but there's no, first of all, there's no reason to get one, which is another reason. But uh, I, I can't just trot into like an Apple store and just drop, what, $1,500 it's uh, here in Canada to get like a, a new uh, top of the line iPhone uh, X. S is it X? No, iPhone 10 S Max. See, I still can't get that right. Yeah, no, see, and that, that that might be one of the reasons why sticker confusion. Yeah, that's uh, part of it. So year over year, their profits in China have gone down 40%. And now while the iPhone market isn't the sole driving force of the Apple empire, it is its largest. Oh yeah. It's leaps and bounds. The largest, I, I think it's like in the 70 percentages there or so. Yeah. It's, it's pretty massive in terms of, of what it is. And also there's something to note and something that you and I were talking about when we were doing our research about this is that Apple has kind of done away on their per unit sales info and instead just goes with overall sales growth decline charts. Yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, the, the last earnings call 
in that they they did away with that. And this is in line with everybody else, right? They joke about Amazon and the Jeff Bezos charts where it's just charts. Like there's no numbers or anything. It's just like, look, our stuff's going up. <laughs> uh, Apple was actually in the minority of companies of their stature that was actually giving you hard numbers, which they would only do for iPhones really. And they wouldn't break down the individual iPhones. They would just say right. the iPhone numbers and the Mac numbers and the iPad numbers and stuff like that. Uh, they never really gave out uh, Apple Watch numbers or HomePod numbers or whatever because they would those would fall under other along with the, the poor iPod, which got them to this place, right? In 2002, yeah. when Steve Jobs made that earnings warning, it was... Uh, basically Macs and iPods. And iPods, it's so long ago this that this happened. iPods were not even available to Windows users yet. That's how right. long ago. This is how long it's been and why it's also such a big deal. It's 16 years. Yeah. So oh, there are two factors at play with this sort of the largest aspect as to why their sales projections are down. I don't think it's necessarily just the cost of the phone, but it's also the tightening of the belt of the general Chinese population and the way that their economy has taken a downturn in general spending dollars are more scarce, right? So we did some digging around. So the average cost of the X, the 10 S hmm. max in China is 1400 bucks American. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. The average salary of a white collar employee in, in in Greater China is eleven hundred bucks a month. So your 10s max is three hundred bucks more expensive than um, someone's monthly salary on average. And and just to, to bring it to the North American audience, so like for for in Canada here, uh, the average salary is about fifty one thousand, and that's if you break it down after taxes and all that, depending on which province you live in, that's pretty much two weeks salary. Yeah, so it's, the average it's half. Canadian. Yeah. And so uh, Americans in 2017 pre-tax, from what I understand, is about 3700 bucks a month. Okay. Yeah, so you can buy you can buy three uh, uh, 10S maxes with a, with your uh, gross salary, not your net salary. Yeah, it, but it is, is significantly cheaper in, in yeah. the U.S. So keep in mind, um, also, apart from that, right, uh, competitors in greater China, such as Huawei, their phone... Uh, not necessarily similar quality, but kind of like in the realm of similarity, half that price from 700 to 750 American dollars. And the other thing to note, and this is something Ben Thompson has mentioned a lot on his site, Stratickery. Um, I'll see if I can find some links. I didn't post them in the show notes for you, Brian. Sorry about that. I've, uh, is, there's too much excitement going on. I just, I feel like sometimes you and I like have really good bantry shows. I feel like this was a homework show. Yeah. I feel like you, and my brain is kind of tired from reading like dozens and dozens of articles and hot takes yeah. and well, completely asinine comments uh, based around uh, this sort of like a very large and also very emblematic, which we'll touch upon later, um, issue that is arising. Yeah, but but the, the going back is that in China, because of the apps they use, a smartphone's a smart a smartphone. Like nobody cares that. It runs iOS or Android like we do. Uh, nobody cares about iMessage because everybody uses uh, a few set apps that are used in China specifically, and they run exactly the same on every phone. So nobody exactly. really cares. Yeah, uh, I just think that like that's a very good point. Is that we are less they are less fetishist about their setups um, than we are. Like the iPhone's still considered a luxury good, so it is a status symbol. But in terms of functionality. Um, it's it's less important there. Here, um, I, w- I would be able to switch to Android, but it would give me a hard time uh, at first. But whatever. Right. I, but I do prefer. I have a preference, right? iOS and Android. There's there's a difference there, just like there's a difference between Mac and Windows. But in China, those differences are much more blurred. 
Well, they also use less proprietary software, right? So we use iMessage. I mean, some of the top mobile chat apps in China are things like WeChat, QQ, yeah. um, and other things like that that are used cross-platform, sort of like, you know, using WhatsApp. Yeah, WeChat is everything for them. It's like yeah. their payment system. It's everything. So they don't really care about their phone as long as they can use WeChat, which they can on any phone. And, you know, for somebody in China, like, why would you go buy the American phone when you could buy a phone made by somebody in China, right? Like you want to support your own country in certain regards. Well, for sure. And I think it also ties into some of the tariff issues that uh, President Donald Trump has sort of imposed on China. And that's something that Tim Cook does touch on in his letter that it does make dealing uh, over there a little bit more difficult, right? So uh, something interesting to note, though, is that, you know, prior to the last couple of years, the Apple ecosystem in China was non-existent. People were bringing in foreign phones and charging markups in order for people, uh, as you're saying, of a certain stature to have these phones. And it's not necessarily the case anymore, but it's still very expensive, right? Yes. And I knew people that worked at the Apple store uh, years ago and would say how certain people would come in and buy dozens of iPhones so that they could be sent to China because they weren't available there. And that was the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus when those came out. That was a weird anomaly where people thought, ooh, Apple was doomed, right? Because there was this huge spike in iPhones and then they went down and they sort of went up again. And now we're kind of reaching that point of iPhone saturation. And uh, I guess this brings us to like other points that we have other than just like the weak uh, Chinese economy. Well, just one last thing about that, though. Like, so if Apple, Apple considers this their second largest global market, right? Okay. So given that and given that their year over year projections uh, total are down 40%, they need to come up with a strategy, but it makes it a bit trickier. And I feel like we're going to talk about this sort of like what in Apple can do in the future, but it places them in a very particular position where they have to figure out a strategy that works both for a specific country as well as globally. These are thoughts that weren't uh, part of the equation in 2002. No, absolutely not. Right? Like this... The iPhone, when, when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone, their goal was 1% market share. A little bit larger than that now, my friend. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like the, It's not really off the rails or anything yet. Like Apple's no. still fine. The people are still going to buy iPhones. I mean, they're it's, still making, there's still a projected profit here of, of like at least $84 billion this quarter. <laughs> it's insane like that's still, not, right? That's something, because everyone's like, oh, the sky's falling. And while to a certain degree, yes, I agree that um, spending power in China is decreasing and there's such a large global consumer of these things that it is cause for concern. It's not necessarily a uh, cause for total worry at this point. Uh, also, like everything uh, ha- comes in cycles, right? So the idea of them being on top and then being a dominant leader that just keeps on building is kind of impossible. Well, now at this point, we're, we're where the smartphone is kind of everywhere. And there's no real countries left for Apple to break in that have money exactly. to actually spend on these phones. And, you know, there was this rumor of lowered iPhone sales with the 10R and the 10S not selling as well. And, you know, not, not like I didn't really put much stock into those because guess what? They say that every single year. For sure. I mean, it's the classic naysayer kind of thing, right? right? And at a certain point, they're going to be right. And this year they were. Yes. Well, what is that whole saying about the, the hands on the clock reading the right time twice a day? Yeah, a, a stop clock is, is correct twice a day or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like nothing is forever. What a great platitude that is. Uh, and I also feel like let's bring... Uh, let's put the the China thing to rest for now, right? So let's let's. So we talked about tariffs. We talked about lower than anticipated sales. But stateside, North American side, um, they're claiming that there's some issues here that have caused them to also uh, 
take into account for their lowered projections. One of the things, of course, is their battery replacement program. Okay, so this is a case where a company doing something good affects them financially. I don't know if this was this. I don't know if they took this into consideration. They did it for for a good reason. Like, well, okay, the story here is that Apple didn't really explain this well when phones were getting throttled and phones weren't working properly because of the battery and they kind of had to come out and say it and then they offered this battery replacement program where it would normally cost 100 bucks and then it was costing or 79 dollars and then it was costing 29 dollars now that can't account for everything but what it does account for is that people are not buying new phones and in in our opinion, when we met, when we kind of talked about that after the the keynote, where how people could use iPhones for longer, we thought it was a good thing in the grand scheme of things. But obviously, it's not good for their their financials. Right. So I think that's something that we talked about during the keynote, and also in the past, I'd say like six to eight months, is that the uh, life cycle of a phone goes from twelve to eighteen to now closer to twenty four months at this point, right? With the battery replacement, let's say kicking it up another what like six months, let's say so a total of thirty months. Uh, also, as you were saying before, when you're talking about China, there's not many markets where they could break in. There's also the idea of a comfortability. Um, now more people than ever have smartphones, right? Which wasn't necessarily the case the last 15 years as people were coming online with them. No, not at all. And with the fact that phones last longer, there's all the tech people that where I, whose podcasts I listen to that will buy a new phone every year. But that's because they have a podcast and they have to talk about this. They, like if they were regular employees of some other thing, even if you like tech like I do, I'm not really making money off this podcast or anything. So I can't really have a budget on the side to like talk about new iPhones on my podcast. I'll get a new iPhone, I'll talk about it, but I can't afford to buy one every year. The thing is, like, is having a smartphone a hobby? Like, it's not a hobby. You can't even classify it as a hobby. No, but the podcast is, right? Like, or, uh, right. or people who podcast and, you know, they're professional podcasting that that's their, that's their income. They have to buy an iPhone to talk about it. I'm talking about like John Q. Public here, who, oh yeah, uh, you know, gaming is a hobby, reading is a hobby. Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, smartphone well, buying is not a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> it's got it, like it used to be kind of cool the new smartphones, but like they don't change that much year to year. Like, so that's my other argument is that through the progression of these smartphones, um, there has been a lack of like um, killer features recently that the majority of the public, and I'm not talking about like like tech Twitter who freaks out about every little thing, and you know. Um, I'm talking about like the person who goes to the kiosk and wants a recent iPhone, doesn't really care about the particulars of it. But then when the question becomes like, what is the difference between my 6S and like an 8 or a 10? And apart from like uh, space and speed, there's not really that much there to sell someone on. And speed wise and all that, like my wife has a 6S. I got the battery replaced because it was one of the defective ones. So she has a fresh battery in there, even though it's a year old, the battery, it's still decent. And iOS 12 went a long way in making that phone feel almost as fast as my 8 Plus. Yeah. yeah. So there's really, like, when my contract's up, because we still have the, the the carrier contracts here where we can subsidize the phone. So my, my 8 Plus only cost me, like, $250 when I bought it last last year. It was I was actually got a really good deal on it. But when my contract expires, I'm probably not getting a new iPhone right away. I might wait a few months and see see how things pan out. Yeah, and that's one of the other things that Tim Cook was saying is that there are fewer carrier subsidies out there, so therefore people have to swallow the cost of the phone or even just the monthly cost of a phone uh, more regularly. Let's face it, these things are not cheap. And no. if the thing you're using is fine, are you going to like go crazy for something that's not that different? 
and spend the money on it or just keep what's, what's working and spend that money somewhere else and go on vacation or something. Yeah, and I do think that's kind of part of the larger issue of uh, being a tech consumer in uh, the post, let's say like 2013, 2014 era when really like phones started kind of all becoming homogenous more or less. I mean, for example, like we talked about this and you talked about how if you had to get an Android, you get the Pixel due to the camera and, and things like that. But by and large, these are nondescript sorts of pieces of tech that we have amongst us that we use. Yeah, exactly. Like right now, the stuff that's keeping me tied to Apple is uh, some of their services that I like to use. Like iCloud Photo Library is fantastic. I, I really like it uh, more than Google Photos, actually. Google Photos is great, but I prefer iCloud Photo Library. I I like Apple Music, although I guess you can get that on, on uh, Android devices. But uh, And the fact that I use a Mac, and that would, like I said before, that would be much harder for me to switch from but that integrates super well with the iPhone. Look, not everybody here, uh, how many people do you know that have an iPhone, an iMac or a Mac or, and an iPad and use all three all the time? Most people don't no do one. that. Like, no well, one. you know me, but uh, apart from me, there's not. Yeah, but that. I feel like you almost make it a point to do that. No, I, I like, so I use my Mac for big things like the podcast and editing and music production and stuff like that. I use the iPad for, uh, like general old person computing stuff, like checking my emails and looking at the Facebooks, even on a look at Facebook, but uh, stuff like that, reading things online and all that. And then my phone's my phone and that's it. And I'm actually using my iPhone a lot less now that I, uh, and this is something you'll appreciate because I don't feel like using a dongle for my headphones. <sighs> I, I bring my iPad to work and I plug in my headphones in that. So that's one of the things that I feel like would make me look at an Android again is the dongles. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next uh, kind of like point of discussion is that there's so many hot takes that have occurred on social media within the last like 24 to 48 hours that it's kind of insane, right? People kind of fixate on certain things, right? Um, was it you mentioned that today that like people have their one little fixation or, yeah. or, or so was, I was, yeah. I was saying that like people are, have that like their one little pet grievance with Apple and they feel like that's the reason why it's failing. Like the lack of a headphone jack, which you and I talked about, um, uh, today, um, uh, but also like USB-C, uh, there's like a ton of things that people tend to fixate on as to why the Apple is failing, which is accounting for a very minute percentage of overall users. Yes. Guess what? People do not care about that. The regular, uh, so like you're a tech person, right? Yeah. Uh, so like, how do you feel about like the brake pedals on your dad's car? Right? Like, you know, <laughs> right. So, so that's yeah, sure. how, so, or, or, uh, the fixtures on your sink, right? Like that's how a lot of people view these things. Not like us yeah. where it's like, oh my God, you put that app in that corner of your screen. Are you insane? Right, like, well, it's it's straight up minutia to like uh, almost like a disastrous uh, sort of like level. Yeah, we we each have our own little like pet peeves. Like right now, it's like my biggest annoyance with my with Apple is my on my iMac. Sometimes, if I let it go to sleep, my external hard drives disconnect for a split second, and I get a message on my my screen. That's one of my big pet peeves I have with like my setup right now. Because otherwise. Uh, knock on wood, everything seems to be working relatively fine. I get syncing issues from time to time with iCloud Photo Library, but it's usually the device itself. So quick reboot fixes that. But I've been listening to podcasts where they, you know, they talk about how they they see people walking around with like cracked screens, and they don't care about that. Yeah, 
But, and that's the thing too, is I feel like there's this like large divide between like tech Twitter and, uh, John Q public and, and their <laughs> usage and consumption of, um, these sorts of, of media and technologies, right? Like they don't care. No. Uh, most people don't update every year and most people really don't care about their phone. I hazard you a guess that there's people walking around out there that have like an LG phone or a Sony phone or a Samsung phone and they say it's their iPhone. Okay. So straight up, uh, silver lining to all this, right? Yeah. This isn't a Note 7 situation. Like, no phones have blown up. Double density. My kind of final question, uh, closing things out here, where does this leave Apple specifically globally? Not just in North America, because we tend to have that view mm. uh, in North America of just ourselves, but like on a global scale, they've um, sort of entered or penetrated most, if not all of the major markets in the world to some degree. But they've seen that they have local adoption problems. Right now, and this is not just Apple, this is everybody, things are going to have to change in terms of what products they want to market because the smartphone is like saturated at this point. There's no, there's going to be no more year of the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus where Apple finally came out with large screen phones and everybody went bonkers and bought them all. So that, that, was, that was the their main year of push into China and that was the year they got two big phones. So that nothing like that's going to come about for now. No, uh, uh, the HomePod's not going to save them. Nobody nope. cares. Like uh, even me, who like I love Apple stuff. I'm not going to buy a HomePod because like if I want to really listen to music, it's through headphones. And if I want to just have music playing in my house, my TV's fine. If I get a new TV, maybe I'll get a sound bar with it. But I'm right. not going to spend. F- Again, here in Canada, the HomePod is four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, plus glorified tax. speaker that talks back to you. Yeah, right now. There's no, we can't really predict what's going to happen. Nobody predicted the smartphone, right? So like, it's always hard to make any predictions. Like Tim Cook keeps beating the drum of AR and maybe Apple will get some glasses or something. See, but like Google but Glass cares for, for exactly those reasons. Yeah. Like, there are not people who are adopting this sort of technology because it's not a day-to-day usage. It's a fun thing to have. Also, like look at the PlayStation VR stuff. That's not working out well no. either. No, and that stuff is going to be extraordinarily expensive, like prohibitively so. Also, like, I feel like very, very niche. Like, I don't care for AR. No. I don't care for VR. Like, and you a have lot a of tech people... podcast. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I played with both. I don't care enough to go out and adopt this when I'm perfectly fine with what I have. Right. So I don't. And yes. Okay. So like coming back to the idea of the killer apps or the killer features, AR isn't there yet. There's not that one app that makes it worthwhile for everyone to take a look and see. No, I'll, I'll take my Nintendo Switch over that any day. Like, do you remember, like, the, the air app with the basketball um, demonstration, right? Yes, at the last all that stuff is, like, I really don't care about AR. They keep trying to, like, trot it out, and I do not care. It's forcing something onto your public that does not care because you haven't given them a reason to care yet. There's not no. that application that can be intertwined with everyday life to such a degree that it makes it a very valuable property to have. So I feel like, hear me out, and I think that like this is kind of the the thing too, is that people are saying just cut your prices on your 10s, and I don't mm. think that is necessarily it either. No, it's not. The, the prices have gone up, but things go up in price all the time, right? So it's not just that apple stuff has always been more expensive it's just like when i bought my ibook it was actually really expensive but yeah. for me it was so much better than any windows computer i could get at the time and actually got me to get a lot more work done compared to what i was used to that it was worth the extra i think it was probably four or five hundred more dollars than any other pc laptop i would have been able to get at the time 
And the iPod, it cost me $400 compared to what? I would have paid like 100 bucks for a diamond reel or whatever garbage other companies were peddling. <laughs> but right. guess what? I had like 10,000 songs in there. It yep. was worth it to me. So if something is worth it, I'll be happy to buy it. Right now, though, upgrading to anything from what I have, st- stuff that's a year old or two years old, is not worth it. No. Also, like I've mentioned before, I have a late 2012 uh, MacBook. Who knows what I'm going to upgrade to when this is done, right? Because the the bottom shelf for pricing has gone up so much more uh, in the interim that I don't know if I'm getting the value I need to get out of it. Same thing with an iPhone, right? So one of my suggestions is maybe they need to look at, and I hate using this word because it's not really um, the words I want to use, but a budget-minded phone, right? So I feel like in those Asian markets, an SE2 would make the most sense. Yeah, people have thought about that. And and. With that said, the SC wasn't exactly budget. Hey, I have one. I love it. It is a, and that's the thing is like in comparison, it is budget minded. Yes. But when it comes to like bottom floor entry level, it's definitely at an elevated price. But I do feel like an SC2 would allow people to enter the Apple ecosystem a lot more easily than they have um, in Asian markets. And then once you get those adopters, it's easier to sell to them more of the same. Yeah. Look, when your, your, your cheapest new iPhone is almost as expensive as the expensive iPhone was a couple of years ago, there's a bit of a problem and it's going to make things harder for, for people to want to actually buy things. And there's also this like uh, myopic view that like the 10, the 10 S, the 10 R, the 10, two, six, eight, you know, like the numbering, whatever it's, it's something we've discussed, but the idea that these are the phones that everyone needs is a fallacy. Yeah, they're not. They're great. They're really good, right? Like the technology is amazing behind them, but do you absolutely need it? Nope. No, no. And I think that's a good place to close on because I feel like we could go on another 45 minutes. I have a ton of notes that we didn't touch. Maybe we'll come back to this uh, in coming episodes. This, but, is, a, uh, this is an ongoing story, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> it, as it develops, we'll discuss it. Well, happy, happy new year to Apple, right, my friend? Yeah, what a way to ring in the new year. And with that, I will see you in the paranormal section, my friend. See you there. Computer, I'm a computer guy. Everything made out of buttons and wires. Double density. Welcome back. And as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, I kind of wanted to use our tech section as kind of like a case study uh, for something that you and I talk about often um, and almost like in a humorous way is what makes a good conspiracy, Angelo? There has to be intrigue. There has to be an explanation of something that's unexplainable. Um, there has to be something that's unprovable. Yeah. So I've come up with sort of like three pillars that I want to go through with you. And okay. then what we'll do is we'll use um, uh, some Apple facts or some sort of Apple pseudo facts as uh, kind of like case studies for this, right? So uh, there are three pillars when it comes to good conspiracy. The first one I feel is like salaciousness, right? Like there are no boring conspiracy theories out there. They always promise more, promise more interesting, promise almost like a lurid level of interest, right? So like, for example, like we often talk about UFOs and aliens, that's very lurid, right? The idea of a secret government facility containing UFOs and alien specimens seems very interesting, well, we, we talked about China earlier, and they just landed a probe on the dark side of the moon. So who knows what they'll find there, right? Okay, and- so why don't, why don't we keep that in our back pocket, right? So let's, let's use that maybe as a case study, too. So se- the second pillar, so the first is salaciousness. The second one is, is believability or plausibility, right? Like, it needs to sound like it makes sense. 
there needs to be a certain kind of order to whatever conspiracy um, is being foretold or else you have nothing. It has to sound good if you use the phrase, follow the money with it. <laughs> so let's let's keep that in our back pocket, okay? All right, perfect. Okay, the third back one is... pockets are getting full, Brian. Well, you know what? You need a bigger knapsack or perhaps better jeans. Okay. Cargo pants. Uh, anyways, the third pillar is deniability, right? So the idea that... Uh, either the official source or account has to either state that it's not true or the narrative that they offer isn't enough. You've actually distilled it really well on these three pillars. Thank you. I thought a lot about this. Yeah, you spent the whole day. This, like, And again, we've mentioned this, but this was not supposed to be the show this week. We were going to no, have not like all, a, yeah. an easy, breezy like show about uh, little fun things, but... All of a sudden, Apple drops this bomb. So we're, we've kind of like pushed uh, Apple into the paranormal segment. And I guess, I guess conspiracies can be considered paranormal, right? Because... Uh, well, some of them uh, I think definitely do touch the paranormal. I'm like, the, like I was mentioning before, like UFOs and aliens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, life on Mars, Atlantis, uh, things like that. Moon bases. Elvis still being alive. Barack Obama on Mars. Barack Obama not being human, of course. Yes. The uh, the entirety of like David Icke's existence. Yes, exactly. So anyways, I feel like perhaps now that you say this, uh, perhaps we could spin our own conspiracy theory based on the fact that you just mentioned that this wasn't the episode we were supposed to do. Oh, so you yes. think uh, Tim Cook did this to screw us over? Oh, no, 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 my friend. I will throw this out, right? So salaciousness, the salaciousness factor, ready? You and I were given money by an Android subsidiary to talk smack about Apple's current position. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we are usually Apple loyalists. And look at us. We're like saying, "Ah, I don't mind. I'd switch to an Android phone in a heartbeat if uh, iOS uh, let me down. So believability or plausibility. At this point, you and I have both um, sort of uh, voiced an interest in the Pixel phone. Yes. We've also made jokes about wanting uh, sponsors on the show. Oh, yeah? Shadow money, my friend. Plausibility right there. We're also uh, not generating any revenue from this free, totally free, content-filled podcast. Exactly. Deniability. It's all there. The three pillars. It's all there, yeah. (laughs) You know, this made me think of, uh, you know, who MKBHD is, right? Yes. And uh, you'll see some of his... uh, comments it's like you're paid by apple to do this and the comment below is you're paid by google to do this on the same video right right because people will read into it whatever they want and that's another sort of basis of a conspiracy theory i do feel like that's kind of a a facet of it but it's not the it's not the creation of the conspiracy it's the propagation of the conspiracy that's involved in biases it's part of it it's not it's like the it's just like a writing on one of the pillars right so let's take china going uh to the dark side of the moon shall we Okay. Super salacious. Space travel is something that interests many people. Um, we haven't been to the moon uh, on manned missions in many, many years. Well, uh, people claim, well yes, that's, an, that's another conspiracy theory we can un- unpack. But uh, the idea that there are actually secret moon bases and the secret astronaut core practices up there uh, rings true in the hearts of many conspiracy theorists. Yes. Secondly, plausibility. is the, So what the conspiracy theory is that China's landing on the moon to claim dominance, let's say. Right? Okay. So plausible, uh, given the high tensions in between the two larger superpowers of the world, right? Well, that's actually r- really plausible in that it's it's realistic. It's not something like China's landing on the dark side of the moon, because that's uh, where they're going to get the special minerals to make their special smartphones that will beat the iPhone. 
<laughs> but it could also be that. And also deniability, right? So the Chinese government, of course, has and toes an official line that says that, of course, it's just a regular landing. But we all know the states, governments, entities, all of these kinds of people lie for their own gains, right? Well, it depends. Our, our North American leaders never lie. Oh, yeah. The paragons of truth on both sides of the border, all three sides of the border between Mexico, Canada, the United States. That is uh, not very true at all, but I will <laughs> live with it. Yes. So given the formula here, do you think, are there any conspiracies um, that you can think of um, that are Apple related that you'd like to talk about this episode? Well, one of my favorites, and it was on our to-do notes that we, we never really brought up, so much so that when I went to click on the website, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> Great. But, but I found an image, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if we can, yeah, we have, we have our, our CDN with uh, Fireside where we can post images in the show notes. So it's a picture of taking the Apple logo and kind of inverting it, and it creates an image of a gray alien. So I've looked at this, I can sort of see it, but in another way, it looks like two beady eyes. It also, it looks like a, a Rorschach test, but... Well, um, do you remember the, uh, when we were talking about the Da Vinci Code and all of those like weird flipped alien pictures? Like this is just an extension of that. Yeah, but I will add, do you remember when they showed off uh, Emojicon or whatever they're called? Oh, I knew, I knew you'd bring Me, this up. Yes, I do Emoji, right? Yes. Not Emojicons. Yes. Um, what was Tim Cook's Emoji? It was a gray alien. It was. Why is that there? <laughs> Why is a gray alien part of, like, they, they only could put a few of them. There's not that many emojis. One of them is a gray alien. Also, right. uh, there was an article today, uh, I sent you uh, a picture of it, uh, where um, Tim Cook looks like he's about to be abducted. Or well, it's his UFO weird, in the background. Yeah, it's, it's like weird circular lighting that kind of creates a halo around his head. Yeah. So, uh, all further proof that uh, these phones we use are from alien technology. Well, of course, it's all uh, back-engineered, reverse-engineered through Area 51 tech. We discussed this, I believe it, wholly and uh, without question, right? So there's, there's <laughs> no, no conspiracy don't. theory, right? So <laughs> salaciousness, alien technology in our hands, microwave technology in our hands due to the aliens that have crash-landed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. Done. The three pillars are there, Brian. There's believability, there's salaciousness, as well as deniability. The U.S. government has said that they are weather balloons, Project Mogul, nothing more. But as we've recently discussed, maybe some of uh, Mr. Wagers' uh, alien designs for the Discopter. Yeah. And uh, look, uh, anybody new listening to the show, uh, just to confirm, I don't believe in any of this. Uh, that is not true. I uh, once again, that is a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. That's that a, you see, now you're going to start a conspiracy theory against me, saying that I deny that I believe in these things and pretend to be the skeptic. But in, in truth, I'm like, I have my own little newsletter that I send out to people, my own conspiracy fanzine. It's just like uh, David Duchovny and Jillian Anderson, right? Because in, in the shows, uh, David's the believer and Jillian's the skeptic. But in real life, it's like an inverse. I don't know if you knew that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I didn't know that. Energy, she's, yeah, a, originally. she's a believer? She's a believer, more so than David Duchovny. She also changes accents depending on where she is. That is quite correct, my friend. Something to keep in mind with all of this, if you want to go ahead and ask Angelo for his uh, financial documents, any kind of financial disclosures he needs to make about being a disinformation agent, you can go ahead and tweet at him at Angelo Furin, right? Yeah, I was accused of that last week by uh, Sam Fredrickson. So. Well, so we may have discovered a conspiracy about Sam that we won't mention at this point, but we may bring up in a future episode that he may, in fact, uh, be a twin, and they may, in fact, be 
twin models. But uh, let's leave that there for now. People can Google uh, that if they want. Yes, <laughs> very easily. Um, but yeah, I do believe that all good conspiracies have these three pillars, right? So I'm kind of thinking, and I've, I've spent a couple of days in this. The, these three pillars have sort of been in the back of my head for a little while now. And I was trying to figure out any conspiracy that doesn't work with these three. And I can't think of a good one. Except for maybe like flat earth. Right? Like, yeah, but that's just stupid. That's not even a conspiracy theory. But I feel like it matches two of the three, right? So well, yeah, the thing with flat earth is that there's their believers in it, but even like hardcore conspiracy theorists will be like, nah, those people are nuts. Oh, for sure. And I think that like it goes back and forth in between like uh, conspiracy uh, uh, subgenres, I guess. It's because it doesn't have three pillars. So even a hardcore conspiracy theorist needs the three pillars and it's lacking. Uh, which one would you, would you say is, 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 is it lacking, Brian? Well, believability or possibility. Oh, yes, okay, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's salacious and it's deniable. Well, right? Cause it's like, look, you're, you're typing about this on, on a phone that needs like satellites. Yeah. That would not work. Uh, one of my favorites is, uh, the flat earth. I don't know if this was a faked tweet or whatever, but it was a, a flat earth society, announcement saying that people from a, around the globe would be attending this flat earth meeting. <laughs> I, I, I wish oh, I could I find believe, it. I'll, I'll I want to believe it. it's true. I, yeah. I want to believe that it's true. Yeah. Anyways, like, so I, I just kind of want to throw this out to everyone who's listening. If you have any uh, interesting conspiracies that meet all three pillars, we'd love to either hear your own creations of conspiracies or let us know of any that you particularly enjoy that meet all three criteria, right? So salaciousness, believability, plausibility, and deniability on an official capacity. You can go ahead and tweet at us at double underscore density. You can hit us up on facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. And you can also hit up double density.net, click on the contact button, fill out that little form. Let us know what you think about conspiracy theories. Yeah, there's, I have there's one, no limit to that form, so they can write, like, write us a novel. Oh, for sure. And then like once we start corresponding, because it's a Gmail address, we can definitely like accept uh, only regular sounding attachments, nothing too weird, no weird extensions. No, no, thank you. I, I get that at work sometimes, where people, instead of sending me PDFs, they send me links to some weird filing, file sharing system. Bro, and, what do you mean you don't trust filecrypt.re.ro? Yeah, right. Like, I so I, I have to tell them, I can't use this. Just send me a PDF like everybody else. And then they send me a horrible picture. But isn't that just the best way to deal with things? Like this is the perfect distillation of like us discussing a regular smartphone user right there. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. Where I will tell people, you know, you have a scanning app. You, I, my first question is, do you have an iPhone? And the answer is usually yes. And I say, you realize you have a scanning app directly in your phone. Everyone is shocked. We are revealing normie behavior here. We are definitely tech hipsters, my friend. Yeah, I'd actually like to know if, if you did, you realize that your iPhone had a scanning app. And if you know where I, it is, tell me. <laughs> what is this? Some kind of trick question? Yeah. <laughs> it's the final exam to listen to our podcast. Yes. So Angelo, episode 89 in the books, the first one for 2019. How do you feel about it? It was very Apple-centric when we didn't want to be Apple-centric at all this week. And uh, there we are, start the year off with an Apple bang. Thanks a lot, uh, Tim Cook and all the financial broadcasters out there uh, who decided to uh, fudge the numbers. I'm not saying they actually did that intentionally. And look, if something happens with uh, Tim Cook as being CEO, do you think he'll head back to his planet? He might. I mean, that's why the Chinese are on the dark side of the moon. Maybe they're building a bridge or a portal for him to emerge from. Part of our conspiracy. 
<laughs> that is it for episode 89 of the Double Identity Podcast. Angela, you can tune in next week as we talk and read all about our New Year's wishes to you. Uh, episode 90 will be broken up in two parts to accommodate uh, for the length of uh, time because we have a ton of emails to read to you about your happy, happy 2019. Happy New Year's. If this ends up spilling out into my Twitter account, I will not be pleased with you, Brian. Prepare your body for a strange 2019 encounter, Angelo. Can't wait. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Like when I bought my, 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 um, when I bought my, I can't talk.